what it is is how deeply the industry has changed is because five years ago auditions started becoming available online three years ago you became responsible for producing your own professional content for real and that was such a sharp turn to the left you suddenly had to be responsible for engineering your own work if you're in the entertainment industry if you're in the world of voiceover and you don't know anything about being an audio engineer good luck Welcome to episode 65 of the Hollywood Hustle podcast, where we bring you the stories and struggles of actors, voiceover artists, and entrepreneurs, while sharing how they thrive and survive in the city that never sleeps, New York City. It is I, Daniel Tuttle, and I can't believe the reaction we've had to Act One with Shelley. You guys have already fallen in love with her just like we have, and we still have so much more of her journey and knowledge to share with you. Also, we as a podcast want to always communicate the ups and downs of this podcast. Openness and communication is such a strong core of this show. Well, thanks to you, our listeners, and the growing support for this podcast, we are starting to receive genuine requests from talented people and PR agencies for interviews. I cannot tell you the feeling of creating something that people reach out to you to be a part of. We owe a lot of that to you guys, our awesome listeners. Without your support, communication, and love, we would not see this new stage of the podcast. And for that, we thank you. As always, if you know of someone hustling hard with an amazing story to tell, please let us know at hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com. Well, this week we continue our conversation with voiceover artist and coach Shelly Shinoy. This week, Shelly talks with us about pursuing acting and voiceover work in New York. How did she find auditions, build her resume, and how did she handle the well-known struggle of finding representation? In this episode, we deal with how you take the reins of your dreams and learn to rely on yourself to succeed. Now make sure to stick around after the interview for some weekly updates and hustle support statements with the newly engaged Michael Lutheran to help you get through the week. Well, that's enough of my voice. Let's bring in the real voice talent now, Shelly Shinoy. Let the hustle begin. So, so, so you moved there. What was the kind of uh, goal, I guess, the career goal for you when you first moved there? Were you pursuing uh, theater acting, film acting? And, and, and once you kind of were there, how did you start making that pursuit? Um, I had a rule when I got here. And, and yes, when I, when I was headed here, I had a goal. And my goal was um, work in theater. I actually was here for theater, for here for the theater, to work in theater, to be in plays, to be doing that. That was my goal. And that was, frankly, it was my only goal. Um, and, and I'll tell you what happened with my uh, decision there and my motives there. But, um, but ultimately, my rule for the first year and making my way there was um, I had a rule for the first year, and it was no auditions. Because I didn't want to, I, I wanted to survive New York City. I didn't want, I didn't want to risk the city ever beating me. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you are working two jobs and you're also working in auditions and it's your first year in New York and you don't have a backup plan and you don't have a savings account, 
you will get your ass handed to you. You will, you will be working around the clock. You will miss auditions. You will start to begin, uh, you start to create rocky relationships with whatever reps you're working with, wherever you're trying to audition, everything will start to crumble. I mean, really, like not to be a super pessimist about it, but the truth is, is that if you weren't super careful and if you didn't have anybody backing you up, it was just you. Well, my, my um, reasoning there or my, my belief was if this is just me and no one's going to blow it but me. So I, I better make sure that I am set. And so I had a rule and it was, uh, don't audition, not one audition, not even searching for one audition work for the first year, save every dollar and make sure. And then once I have several months ahead of me, uh, it with rent ready to go, then I could start auditioning. And that was, uh, 10 months in. Wow. I think that is such a interesting approach to it. And I kind of, if I if I were to go to Michael back in 2012 when I moved to Los Angeles, I think it would have been a very interesting piece of advice to give to someone because it's true you spend so much of that first year just trying to learn how to navigate this new city, this new environment, but also learning the industry oh, yeah. that you're in, that you're trying to work in. And so if you're hustling to make money, to make rent, to save money while at the same time spending money on headshots and learning how to navigate casting directors and getting in the room and getting an agent all at the same time. It it's all that compounds into itself and it's very, very hard and it's very, very stressful. And I can see what you mean by like, if you go in and you try to do it all at once in that first year, you could get so discouraged. And that's why I know, um, Daniel, we, and we've talked about this on the podcast many times. LA is very much a revolving door of a city of people coming in and then it's not what they think it is, or they're trying to do too much at once, and then they leave. It, is yeah. there that mentality in New York as well? Do you see that happen a lot as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, so during those first 10 months before I went to my first audition, and then I didn't go to my next audition uh, for three months after that. And I'll tell you what happened with that first audition. But for those 10 months, what happened was I just have one rule, right? Make your money, make your money, make your money, win, win, win. It was just like crazy focus. And I'm like a child. I can't believe the, that that being so young that I had that drive and that focus to not let anything get in the way of me getting to work job after job. I worked, I was working 120 hours a week. Oh my, wow. <laughs> wow. I had like four jobs and I did that like day in day out every single day um until until that first audition that I went to in October but there was a couple of things that were happening one it kept that drive under me you just wait new york you just wait until i can start auditioning and that was the thing that kept fueling me and firing me up to be able to work all these hours. I'm doing this so I can audition. I'm doing this so I can get into the industry. I'm doing this so that I can survive. Right. And so that was the only drive I needed. And I was just waiting. I was just so excited to get that first audition out and to do it mm-hmm. during those 10 months, you make friends, you make friends in the restaurants you're working in and all these other things and babysitting and all these other jobs that I had. And I'm, I'm starting to meet and network and, let's be clear. I wasn't hanging out 
Like there were no social, I didn't go drink. I didn't go party. I didn't do anything except for work. And I, and at work, I would hang out and talk to people and network and meet people. And during that 10 months, such a short period of time to watch people come in, get eaten alive and destroyed and leave before those 10 months were out. I saw it happen over a dozen times. So like, it's like February and I'm working, you know, X, Y, or Z job and like a new person joins the staff and they're so excited and they're an actor and they're here to do the acting thing. And they are already back home in Kansas by May 1st. That too kept me fired up. Like, nope, it's not me. That's not going to happen to me. That's not going to happen. Just keep working. Keep, keep making those dollars, earn them, save them, earn them, save them. And that was it. (laughs) So what was the first audition that you went out for? So the first audition I went out for was a tour that toured um, the state of Florida. And I, gosh, I think it was put on by Theater Works, who I later met and became friends with the casting director uh, who like helped run that company. Uh, I don't recall who exactly who I auditioned for at the mm-hmm. time. Um, but I believe that the, I believe that the show that I had auditioned for was Susical the Musical and, um, I booked it. Now here's the thing, guys. Remember when I told you that I was working about 120 hours a week Mm -hmm. and I was saving every single dollar I made Yep. Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. I refused to audition for anything before I had several months lined up when I booked that tour. And they called me to tell me all of the uh, details and the pay, the the rate of pay and how, and the breakdown and the structure of how it was, when rehearsals would start, when we would all get on the bus, when we would go, how it would work, what the per diem was. It was pennies. And I ended up having to say no to that tour because it wouldn't, because one month of that tour would not afford for me to pay one month's rent, let alone make any money from it. Mm-hmm. Wow. It paid so little. And here's just a sidebar. I found out a very long time later, um, after I had been with my boyfriend for maybe three years, we were talking about 2002. And he was reminiscing about a tour that he booked for Susical the Musical in Florida. <laughs> oh no way <laughs> my current boyfriend of right now was booked on that tour wow that's which crazy. is amazing we are both so grateful that we did not meet in 2002 <laughs> it was just it, it wasn't time yet you guys weren't ready no. to to be in each other's lives no absolutely not absolutely not so, so tell us about the, the, the troop, the brothel, how you got involved with that, uh, a little background of what that is and what you guys did, and um, about your show, The uh, Girl Scouts. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so it was 2003, and um, I got accepted into a play, uh, an off off-Broadway theater company called Love Creek Productions and so many actors in New York. It was their first stepping stone. And I mean, so many actors in New York. It was a stepping stone uh, theater company in New York 
So when you say Love Creek Productions, there are hand, there are uh, you know dozens of actors in New York that will just go Love Creek because <laughs> it was <laughs> such a hot mess of like yeah, it was a stepping stone in New York. Everyone did a Love Creek production at some point, and um and I was doing a show at Love Creek and um and at that show I believe that it was uh, directed. By I, I believe the show that I was in was directed by Maggie Champagne, and um, and we did the show. I did the show. I was in the cat. I was like, you know, the straight girl character in the show. Everybody else was all crazy, and I was playing the straight man, uh, which I love doing. And and so I was playing that in this play. I don't remember the play, but Maggie was directing, and she invited this other girl. These other two girls. And, uh, and I did not know that Maggie had a brand new, uh, all female sketch comedy troupe. It was four girls total. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was Maggie, a girl named Missy Miller. And, um, and then another girl who I believe her name was Sarah and I can't remember her last name. Um, and, and Maggie invited Missy and Sarah to come and see the show unbeknownst to me to scout me to see if I, if they would want me to be in the brothel so uh they came and they saw the show and um afterwards i was invited to the next brothel rehearsal and i showed up to sort of see like what it was all about and um i did the next show with them not as a writer not as anything i think i just there was there to help and the girl sarah left the company and I mean, this was so long ago. The girl Sarah left the company and uh, Missy and Maggie took me in. We didn't take a fourth girl. And um, I started writing for us and we got admitted into uh, the, I, I think it was the first festival that we submitted to. We submitted with uh, the first sketch that I ever wrote, which was called Girl Scouts. And it, it was just this absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous sketch and uh we ended up winning a handful of festivals with that sketch and then with uh, with a handful of these other sketches we we had over an hour's uh worth of material every year we had a new hour at, which is crazy and we were putting on shows multiple times a year we um ended up with our own space uh, in the lower on the lower east side um of new york we had our own performance space uh and we had a lot of shows and when we opened at that space actually the very first production we got at that at that underground uh bar uh as a theater space it had a curtain and everything um our very first show there eric andre opened for us oh, wow. and this was 2004 and a half maybe five uh, when we got that space but like it was like who's eric andre one of the girls was like i know this guy's name is eric he's really crazy really funny <laughs> Uh, we worked with Eric Andre, Dimitri Martin, we, uh, you know, the Nick Stevens, Nick Kroll. Um, so it's like we all stayed in, but like, you know, all those years ago, we were all doing underground comedy in a really stinky bar at the <laughs> brothel location. And we were all doing ridiculous things together. So that was the start of the brothel. And we ended up going on several competing tours and mm. festival tours and stuff like that, com competitions usually. Wow, that's that's so. What do you feel? Uh, you know, how long were you in that group, and what do you feel uh, you took away from that that you still carry with you? Oh man, honestly, comedy is ugly. Mm. 
that's what you learn comedy is dark it is twisted it's messed up it's ugly and the most brilliant people you could ever work with they're all there and they're all like the ones that are on their way up they'll make it yeah i also think that with comedy because you were just saying you had never written a sketch before this moment right so i feel like comedy also enhances your skills in other areas as well not only as a writer but as a collaborator and the fact that you guys worked so many different circuits, so many different festivals and stuff got you such of a skill set in terms of just scouting more and more opportunities for yourself. Oh, yeah. You you learn there. I mean, so it's, of course, it's our own indie group. It wasn't like the Young Americans, but in the Young Americans, I learned that you have to be able to do every job. And in the brothel, you have to be able to do every job. Like somebody had to submit us to the to the comedic festivals and we had to have uh, materials published and we had to have photo shoots and we had to have, um, you know, filmed things ready to go. We had to have applications. We had to have uh, our website, you know, it was, it was so many different things, but we were doing it all on our own. And you, you have to, you learn that like, it's just like anything else, man. It's business. 90% business, 10% show. It's, it's always, it's always been true and it always will be. And so that's, you know, that was put into play there, especially when it was a long time ago. And like, there was being on the internet was hard. Like there wasn't a Facebook or, a you know, there was Friendster at the, I think, but like there wasn't somewhere where anybody would see your stuff. You put it on your website and it's just there and you, you don't know how to navigate it or tra or traffic you know, get people over to see it. And you were just learning everything on the fly and running everything yourself. And so you had to learn how to do everything, really. Were there uh, casting websites yet? Uh, no. No, not, no, not at that time. Wow. Nope. Nope. Uh, casting websites didn't really show up until 2008, and they really didn't start working or functioning to the degree they are now until after 2012. Mm. I was hoping you say until 2017. <laughs> well, yeah. And what I mean by like really working or functioning until after 2012, really when, you know, I have students that come here and they, they ask industry questions and all of that. And somebody recently said, people keep telling me that the industry has changed so much in the last several years. What are they talking about? And what it is, is how deeply the, industry has changed is because in the last five years ago, auditions started becoming available online. Three years ago, you became responsible for producing your own professional content for real. Mm -hmm. And that was such a sharp turn to the left that like you suddenly had to be responsible for, you know, engineering your own work. And in the voiceover world, if you're honestly, if I can just stake this claim right here, if you're in the entertainment industry, if you're in the world of voiceover and you don't know anything about being an audio engineer, good luck. Mm -hmm. And even me in 2012, when I had started teaching classes and I was doing all this stuff and I was, you know, uh, NYCVO coach was kind of taking on its own personality and people were talking about it and you know, classes started selling out. I didn't know how to advertise it or anything like that, but like, thank goodness people kind of did that for me. Like it just kind of happened. And I remember getting asked a lot, um, are, are you going to ever like engineer your own classes or engineer your own work? And 
I remember I, you know, the answer was just like, no, why would I do that? You know, I have an engineer and I still have an engineer to this day, but the truth is, is that, um, in 2013, when I really started making these incredible original commercials for my voiceover talent, because I thought if I'm going to help actors make commercials, they better be original and they better be funnier than anything that's out there, super entertaining and really dynamic and diverse to show what voiceover artists can really do. Not just like blah, 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 blah on a voiceover demo. Like it should be freaking great. And when uh, we know i remember i was talking to my dad about it on the phone and I, and it had been i had been producing these commercials for a couple of months and they were coming out so well i had written this uh dove spot for this guy and i and i was writing purely character commercials at the time so i didn't know how to write like a straight commercial for a bank or a financial institution mm-hmm. and so i was writing these crazy comedic character spots when i first started and uh, and they were all catered to what my student was like and 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 how I could best capture their voice in the commercial. And um, I wrote this Dove commercial for this dude who sat in my office and like kind of bragged about himself for like forty five minutes. And it just kind of like I was just kind of like, okay, all right. Like this guy is really proud of himself. And, you know, whatever, that's cool. Like, he just wanted me to know all about him. And I thought, you know, he's fine. He's a charming guy. You know, like, it was just kind of a getting to know you session. And uh, I ended up, like, when he left, I was like, I want to write him a commercial for the most feminine thing I can think of to, that, like, <laughs> I, I can get away with. So I wrote him a commercial for Dove Soap. And I put him in a locker room with a bunch of guys who I also recorded all of the guys for the spot and, like, put him in this thing where he's like, I climbed Everest without a mask. And all the guys were like, whoa. And he's like, I like my wings, molten lava hot. And they're like, whoa. And then like, he keeps escalating all these things. And then he's like, and when I shower, I use Dove soap. And they're like, wait, what? You know, and then he's like, no, no, hold on, hold on. Let me, and so he starts explaining Dove soap. And by the end of the commercial, all the guys are going, Dove, 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 Dove. (laughs) And so I created this really raucous commercial, blah, blah, blah. So this guy, Terry, uh, mm. who I wrote this commercial for, I didn't know that he worked as a freelancer in advertising. I did mm. not know this. Wow. I did not know that he worked for uh, the people that, um, for Levin products that represent Dove Soap. Mm. And uh, his boss called me asked me if I was crazy and then offered me a job. Wow. Whoa. And so I was like, Oh my God, that was, that was in uh, the very beginning of 2013. And I remember I was telling my dad and I, I was so proud of myself. Cause I was like, I know I'm onto something great. I know I'm onto something really good here. I've got, I'm, I'm a great commercial writer. I like, they're so entertaining. I know how to create like, you know, these hilarious stories in a 30 second tale with just audio and, and really sell a product. And I was just blah, blah, blah to my dad. And I told him what happened with Dove and with the advertising agency calling me. And, um, and my dad was like, and you said no. And I said, yeah. And he said, tell me about that. And I said, well, I don't want to work in advertising. I just, I just felt like that woman gave me everything I needed that said, um, you're on the right track. You're doing this right. You, and my dad said, I think you're smarter than that, Shelly. 
And I was like, wait, I'm sorry, what? And he was like, I think you're smarter than that. I think you need to figure out how to do this on your own. Mm. And I'm going to put a three-year challenge in front of you. And you're going to sell your first series of commercials within the next three years. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) what? And sure enough, I started writing smarter. I started putting, I, I started putting together series of commercials for indie groups, for uh, smaller companies, for large companies, for international companies. And I started reaching out to the companies and selling them their own commercials and trying to sell them their own commercials. And um, it was January, 2015. So it was two years into the challenge. I sold my first commercial. Wow. Damn. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, and I've sold, uh, almost 30 since then. So, so we know like to, to kind of wrap up this part of the interview, we, we yeah. know that living in New York and, and, and living in LA, there's definitely differences, but in the sense of living there with, without your family and pursuing this career that can go so many places, it's a roller coaster ride in itself. Um, how do you get through those times when maybe a little bit of doubt creeps in or, uh, you know, that frustration, even back when you first moved there, how did you get through those kind of times of just, am I making the right decision? Am I, am I doing the right thing? I don't, no one's going to hire me. This, those moments of, of frustration and challenges. How do you get through, how did, how did I get through the like train wrecks? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, all all can I give you like one of the hardest like sort of train wreck situations and it's and it's it makes you just sort of grapple with like what you're doing and why it's not working and that was I couldn't get an agent to save my life Mm -hmm. I could not get an agent to save my life I first of all you have to you have to have a like a gorgeous portfolio. You've got to have all your demo reels. You've got to have your headshots. I don't care what year it is. Even if it's 2004, you needed to have all of these things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, and I didn't know anything. I didn't know that. I didn't know what you needed or, or like, how come I can't just show up? Why won't they just take me? Mm -hmm. Like, like, look, I'm cute ish. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, like I'm great looking on camera. I sound good. I look good. Like, why won't anyone take me? I'm trained. I'm experienced. Like, why, why doesn't anyone care? And, and so you just have to learn on your own why, and you have to learn how you're going to fix that and take care of that. And this is why a lot of people leave is because they can't find that answer. And, and so, man, it crushed my soul, how, how I could not get an agent. I just could not get an agent. And I I was just consumed with jealousy and, and, and just a broken heart. You know, that like, like, how come no company will trust me that I'll book the job, I'll make the money, I'll do it. I just need an agent. And uh, so I just accepted that I wasn't going to have an agent. And what that did was I, you know, I just was like, okay, so the industry isn't giving me auditions and it's not giving me any representation for anyone that can get me auditions. Um, There's no such thing as auditions online. 
So here I am, I've got to make a career. How am I going to do that? Like I said, this is like 2002, three, four, five, six, seven, right? And I am working every single week and I'm doing shows and, you know, making bits and pieces of money and like paying my rent and doing everything I could. And, um, and so I guess, I guess when you really like for me getting through that time was really, it came down to accepting that, okay, so people in my opinion that like, I don't know how or why they got an agent, but it must be because they're amazing and I'm not right. Like that's how you just have to kind of like, just, you're just like grappling with it. And then um, when I finally decided, Oh, I understand how this is going to go. I'm super, super amazing. It's just that no one will know. No one does know. And people might not ever know. So I better get my ass out there because I'm my agent. Mm -hmm. And so I sort of switched roles and started acting as my own agent. Mm. And it was how I had to learn how to network like a horse uh, and hustle like a boss <laughs> and, uh, contact everyone I knew and think outside the box. Cause there were no rules for this. There was no online presence again. Like there was just nothing out there. And, um, and I started getting myself work, booking jobs and, um, basically making a salary on my own. And I had booked, um, I got all the way to 2008. I had booked um, my own series on the Cartoon Network. And I did, and I got, I had gotten that far. Uh, and I actually met um, the first agent who I ever like sat with face to face because no one would answer the phone or pick up, return a call or an email. Um, I actually met the first agent I ever met was in the waiting room of that show. We were in the lobby of the sound studio. I had no idea she was an agent. I thought she was actually the mom of one of the talents who was, who was sitting a couch away. And, um, and I started talking to her and I just remember feeling sorry for her because she looked so bored. <laughs> and, um, and then there were two other actors in the cast and they were so silly. And so the three of us invited her out onto the balcony of the building. And when I'm scared of heights, man, I am just on, like, I, like I'm scared for my life. So the jokes were just pouring out of my mouth. I was holding her hand. I was wiping away tears. She was hysterical because I was being so silly and so ridiculous. And, uh, we, you know, we, I was just scared for my life. You know, we were uh, on this creaky balcony on like the 16th floor of this building over Midtown. And I was like, we are going to die together. <laughs> you know, we we're just totally messing around. I was just waiting for my turn to be, you know, to, for my record, which was going to happen soon. And, um, we all go back into the lobby and this lady goes, who's your agent, by the way, she's like, you're an actor in this series. And I was like, yeah. And she goes, who's your agent, by the way? And my response was, who's your agent, by the way? And she goes, no, 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 I'm an agent. I'm just really curious who I'm about to steal you from. Mm. And I said, you're an agent? And she said, yeah. 
and she said who she was, what who her name, what her name was, and who she was with. And I said, oh, that is so um, interesting. And I am so sorry to tell you this, but I'm not going to give you my information. Mm. And she was like, I'm sorry, what? Like no one has ever said this to her. Mm. And I said, see, see, here's the deal. I fantasized about a moment like this for the last decade or more. And I didn't know you were an agent and we're totally joking around out there. And frankly, I already love you as a person and I have no idea who you are or what you can do. And now you're asking me for my information and all of this has just ended up in my lap. And the thing is, I, I could give you my phone number and my email address, but you're gonna lose it. And my heart will be shattered because you're gonna forget to call me and you might even forget this whole thing ever happened but I'll never forget it. So I can't give you my number because it's the same thing as giving you my heart. And I'm just not sure if you're going to be responsible enough to have it. <laughs> and she was like, first of all, she was like, first of all, hold on. I'm sorry. Wait, you're in this right now and you don't have representation. And I was like, that is correct. And she goes, and I'm representation and I want to know everything about you, including all of your personal information. And you are telling me no. And I said, that is correct. And she said, because you don't think I'll call you. And I said, that is right. <laughs> because I am scared to death right in this moment. I'm scared to death telling you this, but if I don't say it, I'll beat myself up. Cause I could just give you my number carelessly. But if you forget to call me, I'm dead. Mm -hmm. And she goes, give me your number. It's going to happen. And I was like, well, okay. So <laughs> you passed the test. <laughs> yeah, you passed the test. I believe every word you say, okay, no problem. Here it is. 917. So I get, I give her my number and, um, I, I ended up uh, leaving. I actually ended up, I went, I got married. I went on my honeymoon. I came back. I hadn't been at the sound studio for like, I'm not married anymore, but I hadn't been at the sound studio for a, uh, a month. And the day I went back to the sound studio, the executive administrator who was sitting at the front desk of the sound studio goes, oh, Shelly, I've been meaning to call you. There's this agent. She's been calling here every day. She said you gave her her number and she lost it and she's freaking out because she's supposed to call you and she didn't want to hurt you or something and, and she loves you. And I, anyway, I can't give out your personal information unless I have your permission. And I was like, give her my number. <laughs> So, uh, and so it was a very hilarious thing. Cause of course, Susan, you know, uh, lost my number, which is hysterical. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, ha 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 funny in the moment, but now it's funny. Now I can laugh about it. Um, but she did in fact lose my number and we got in touch, you know, it was about a month after that exchange and we got in touch. They pulled me into the office. Um, they were like, okay, great. We're going to start freelancing with you. This is what they say to everybody. And I was like, okay, great. They sent me out and I booked my first audition and it was over. You know, you talked about when you were younger about Pee Wee Herman. When in New York did you start going, I'm going to start pursuing voiceover acting as part of my career trajectory? And and then when did it become kind of more of a focus? Um, so the brothel had been hired to uh, to do a, a comedic gig for MTV it was a behind the scenes gig. A bunch of uh, comedians were hired around the city to uh, do this behind the scenes show. It was kind of a roast. 
Um, the brothel was hired and then we were individually assigned uh, different parts throughout the show. Um, I was assigned a handful of famous producers and VJs and notably uh, uh, Courtney Love. And I knew that if I was going to be doing Courtney Love at this show, um, that uh, that I had to get her voice. And so uh, this was again, this was like 2003 or something. And um, I got her voice down and uh, did the show. And after the show, uh, one of the fellow cast members came up to me, and he um, he he said, uh, "So you're over artist." And I said, oh, no, you know, I, 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 that would be amazing. But no, I'm not. Uh, but I heard there are some here. And he said, no, no, that wasn't a question. And he introduced himself. And he was actually a very famous uh, voiceover artist, uh, which I, of course, had no idea. And, and, and I had heard that there were voiceover artists in the cast um, because the actors, we were all talking. And, like what naturally comes up in conversation when you're in your twenties and you're, you know, broke is who there is making any money doing this. <laughs> and the voiceover artist went to the top of the list. And so people were like, Oh yeah, the voiceover artist, uh, you know, a couple of these guys are here and they may, you know, they can pay their rent. They're, they're killing it. You know, this kind of thing. And, uh, and anyway, one of the guys, he had said, you're definitely a voiceover artist. And I said, no. And he said, no, that wasn't a question. And uh, he was, and we became friends. And uh, just a few weeks later, he was at an audition. His reps had sent him into an audition and he was there. And he spoke to the producer at his audition, convinced him to uh, have me come in the next day or something. And uh, so he, my friend just called me and he said, uh, remember when I told you you were a voiceover artist? I got you an audition. Here's your time and your appointment. They'll see you tomorrow here and at this time uh go kill it uh and he said um that i was auditioning for the voice of a princess um to be the prin voice of a princess for a doll that was being uh made after a real princess and the dvd cartoon was coming with her life story and so i was auditioning to play the princess and the and i was like Wah! you know like i've never done voiceover how do i and i was like wait i'm auditioning to be a princess <clears throat> why Hello, little birds. Oh my goodness. It is such a beautiful day. I feel like today is going to be the day, you know, so I was like, okay, I've got this. I'm definitely a princess. I got this. So, uh, so I think I at one in. point in our lives, we've all said that phrase. I, we're, I'm definitely a princess. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know, like you just know. <laughs> so the next day I went in and, uh, and I auditioned some pretty funny stuff went down at that audition. Just, you know, just looks of, disapproval you know from the other side of the glass just like what is she doing and the producer you know pressed the talk back button and he goes uh and this is my first voiceover audition ever and he goes uh well we heard you can do some other stuff do you mind if we put some other scripts in front of you and you just kind of go for it and i was like yes like i'm from the world of yes and so i was just like yeah absolutely so he put something in front of me i did it he put something in front of me i did it and uh they called me like three days later and they said that I did not book the role of Princess Sara, but that I booked uh, her mother, her grandmother, her sister, her brother, her kidnapper, uh, her handmaiden and two of her kidnappers. Wow. And I was like, oh, all right. And so I got there 
on the day of the first record and there was an African dialect coach. And that was when I found out the entire cast was African. Like all of the characters were African. So that blue eyed, blonde haired princess voice that I was doing just didn't apply. To, <laughs> Hence the to confused, that. disgusted looks on the other side yeah, of the glass. But later, so when I'm there and they have this dialect coach and all this, and I pulled the producer aside and I was like, how did I get this job? And he goes, oh, we heard enough. We know you can do it. And I go, why didn't you guys tell any me or anyone at the audition that these characters were African? And he said, believe it or not, we didn't tell anybody on purpose because you can't believe what that does. And we needed the exact timber of your voice to be able to pull off this African dialect as well as diversely switch into all of these other characters we need you to play. So they were listening for very specific things of which I had no idea what they were listening for, but <laughs> we got it. But it wasn't a, it wasn't a Disney princess. That's for sure. Not, not Cinderella anyway, or, you know, any of the blonde ones, I guess. I don't know. But how cool but, is that though, that, you know, you went in for just one role, but you walk out of it booking, you know, almost over five roles. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was like the the Kool-Aid man running through the wall of like my introduction into the voiceover industry. It was like, anything is possible. You know, like I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like I can do this. Like I had no idea that was even possible, you know? Yeah. And, and so you book this, you know, amazing project. And so where do you go from there? Like you can clearly do voiceover. So I know one of the things that, you know, just like screen actors and everything, you need a reel. How do you start building your demo? Um, so I got my first job in 2003, four. Um, and I got my next job about three months later. And I was hustling and getting my own work all the way up until I booked Casper the Friendly Ghost. In, and I booked that in 2007 and we recorded through 2008 and the beginning of 2009. And um, that was when I got my agent. And it was not until I got an agent that I had any idea that I even needed a demo. Wow. And, and so, you know, I know you were talking about how you were your own agent for a long time. How were you pitching yourself for these projects during the span of time where, you know, you didn't have a sample reel? To, oh, to give like, these companies like a fool <laughs> I, I was doing all of these things with no rules or education or experience I had no idea what I was doing and so I talked to everyone I knew I made connections everywhere I could I kept everyone's information that I crossed paths with and would like and I never did like a newsletter thing or anything like that like I just stayed in touch with literally everyone that I met in any way that I could that wasn't creepy or weird you know um at least at least not that I realized and um and uh and sort of sort of miraculously talked my way into every single job I got wow and 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 you know and then uh and then would like work in little things just like oh yeah this is what I do I'm a voiceover artist here's a couple of things that I would do and and the thing is, is that you're not selling yourself you're genuinely just going look um I'm you know I'm kind of speaking for myself um 
I've, I've right now my, I'm, I'm, I'm a doll that's being sold internationally and I'm, um, on every hooked on phonics DVD that's being sold, uh, in every Kmart, uh, nationwide. Um, I'm, you know, I'm the narrator on all nine DVDs. I'm multiple characters. I directed some of the segments. I, I da 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 da, da and you just like, you, you're kind of a walking, talking bio because there's, because what, you know, there's no other way to, to navigate or, or, or get your word out there because nobody's repping you. So you're just kind of a walking, talking bio machine. That's like, you know, I can do this. I can do this. Yes, I can do this. I will do this. I will work for you. Let's make it happen. I don't, whatever it is, let's get it done. So, and then you so just figure it all out later. So what do you suggest for someone who's looking to start pitching themselves out maybe about trying to put together a demo reel now that you've kind of gone through it over the years what is your advice for those looking to put together a demo reel very good question so uh i don't let anybody do what i did so every everything that i learned over all of the many many years that i was doing this especially doing this on my own and then all of the things that i learned once you do start working with representation and what what a responsibility that is and how that all works and all of these things that I sort of learned in the nosedive crash and burn section of my life where you just you just literally crash every plane you get in until one finally takes off. And so every every bit of that, I work into everything I do in my coaching and my directing with the educational grounds so that people understand why it works like this, mm. how you move forward, what works this way, why you need this thing, how you do it. So, I mean, so there's so many ways to answer the question that you just asked me, but, mm. um, you know, because it, it is, it is truly catered to who's asking the question. Mm -hmm. So, so if it's somebody that, that doesn't have a demo and doesn't have representation, the first thing I'll say is get yourself into actual training mm -hmm. and, and move your training around. You know, I, I love my absolutely loyal um, students, but I, I applaud them when they go and they learn from other people as well. And it's not just because I'm pressed for time or anything of the sort. I genuinely feel like you will learn a new perspective and a new angle and, and a new, you know, sort of basic drive from another, another person's experience. And, and hopefully they're responsible for you know, they're responsible and ethical and will educate while they teach. That's my hope for every coach out there that they give a base of education, not just telling people what to do, but why they need to do it and how to do it. So, um, so the first thing I'll say is start working with a coach and uh, get yourself set up by industry standards, first and foremost, and you can do it. And some of it does cost money. And if you don't see it as an investment, in what you're actually trying to get yourself involved with, then it will never come back to you because you have to invest in it before it actually starts happening. But you have to, under, you have to do this with the understanding and the patience, knowing that it takes a long time. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be realistic about it, it takes like, you don't just, you know, crash seven planes in a week. You have to crash them over time <laughs> and you have to learn from them and you have to get better every time. So you're in the air a little bit longer with each flight. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it seems like it's very similar to acting where you have to invest in yourself to start getting a foothold in that, that career. So like, like yeah. in acting headshots and, and, and resumes and postcards and, 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 and all those things, acting classes, all that stuff. So it's very similar, even, even though with the, your voice. Absolutely. 
because you, you have this incredible instrument, but if you don't actually learn how to play it, then you are with a limited instrument mm -hmm. because you don't, you don't know how to like let it all out or how to access it or, or utilize it in a way that you're going to need. And what I love, you just mentioned a moment ago about also learning different perspectives from other people. And I spent the last year studying Meisner. I've never studied Meisner before, and it's something I was always curious about. And it did cost a lot of money, you know, but the value that I gained and the, the different techniques and stuff, it's not that I'm now 100% Meisner, but it just gives you that extra tool to use. Yeah, uh, yeah you know, whatever you needed. I, I think that's super important. And also, again, going back to the investment, as an actor, whether it's voiceover or on screen or theater, we're we're gifted with this opportunity that our whole lives can be our career in a way. We can keep doing this forever and ever and ever, but you do have to invest in the training to get that foothold, as Daniel was just saying. And I mean... For people who can just naturally do it, kind of like what you were saying earlier, you just went out and did it and found your way and stuff. I think that's amazing. But for those, you know, it's once in a lifetime, I guess, that that happens in some ways. Right. Um, but I think that's just so important of getting different perspectives, but also looking at it as an investment for your entire career. Oh, yeah. It's, it's similar to, you know if somebody just has this drive and they want to get into the voiceover arena, they want to get into that ring and knock out their opponents. The thing is, is that it's just exactly like the visual of boxing. You don't just step into the ring and knock somebody out. First, you have to get on the treadmill. Then you have to lift weights. Then you have to get on the Stairmaster. Then you have to, you know, you know, train in the actual ring and then with different boxing coaches and doing all of that. And the, treadmill is your improv classes and the weights are your acting classes and uh, all of these other things that you're learning how to do and from whom then they all fuel this instrument and you get into the arena and you are just knocking people out left and right and the truth is is that I know I mentioned in the first part of this interview there were a handful of things that I did book right when I walked in the door I booked you know my first job I booked this I booked that I and but the truth is is that you know, and I had had no voiceover training or no experience, but I was coming in after a lifetime of training around the country, including three national tours where I had every possible experience with the voice, with the body, with the industry, where it's like, you know, all of these things, every single one of those things came into play. So it's not like I just walked in and booked my first voiceover job. I was just lucky actor. <laughs> I had spent a life training for this industry without even fully realizing what was happening or that I was. Mm -hmm. But it all came into play in that first, uh, you know, audition. Nice. Very nice. Well, uh, thank you so much uh, for this time. But let's uh, we're, we're going to sign off for now. And okay. then we'll come back next week. We'll talk more about your voiceover work from there and, and uh, uh, the work you've done and your coaching. Uh, where can people find you online? Awesome. So um, for coaching and directing, I'm at uh, www.nycvocoach.com um, or nycvocoach at Gmail. Um, and 
if they want to just kind of like a peek behind the scenes of my life and what I'm doing, um, on Facebook, I'm at Shelly Chenoy Official. And on Instagram, I'm at Shelly Chenoy. And Twitter, I'm at Shelly Chenoy. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time here. And I, I can't wait to hear more about your journey. Michael, thank you for being here. Oh, I am loving this. I can't wait to hear more. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, you guys. And, awesome. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And back to you in the studio. Welcome back. I, I hope you enjoyed the, the second part of our conversation with Shelly Shinoy. Uh, again, just as a great storyteller, as you can tell, uh, with a ton of just inspiring information and just uh, motivational uh, messages to give out. So we've, we're so happy to make this our first three-part uh, series because there's so much to give. But I am no longer alone and actually sitting right next for the first time in a long time to Mr. Michael Lutheran. Hey, Michael. Hello, Daniel Tuttle. <laughs> Have you uh, stood on a balcony and made an agent laugh recently? Or? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> sure. why not? Sure. Uh, okay. I'll go with that. Uh, welcome. I'm, I, I, it's weird because usually when we do this, you're a disembodied voice in my ear. I'm normally a disembodied voice all over the place. In general, yeah. In you, general. I'm like, wait, what? what was that? Why do you have speakers hidden around my house that just talk to me generally? <laughs> just always talking to you. Why are you watching that? What? <laughs> huh? <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's great to sit here with you and actually see you while we're talking. Um, that's always a fun thing to do. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, we just finished recording uh, another podcast. Yeah, another person out in New York City, uh, actually. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to show people that conversation because it was so good. Yeah, we, uh, so... This is uh, going to be an episode coming out in October, but it's mm -hmm. with uh, social media expert uh, marketing for actors creator Heidi Dean. Yeah, and she her business is focused on actors. Yeah, but it would be amazing because I don't know about you, but like listening to Shelley Chenoy, then also speaking with Heidi, they both have a very similar personality, and part of me just really wishes that we could get both of them in a room <laughs> are we forming our own podcast avengers Is that well, they could be our sister podcast out in new york city <laughs> i feel like we should start doing at the end like a teaser like thing at the end where it's like one of us with the uh the the guest and be like are you ready for a higher purpose <laughs> yes oh <my> gosh. <laughs> who are you I'm, I'm putting together a team. The Hustle League. <laughs> the hustle or the League of Hustle. The League of Hustle. Ooh. I like Ooh. it. Ooh. Did we Ooh. maybe just find our new like think, community name? I think the so. League the of League of Hustle. I think that's nice. All uh, right, guys. Let us know what you think about that. League of Hustle? I do, have a, I do have a Lazarus pit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, let's talk about our week a little bit. Um, so I'm going to start first because I'm selfish. Uh, of course. <laughs> I'm smack dab again in the middle of the job hunt. I know people are probably tired of hearing that <laughs> from me, uh, but that's where I am submitting to jobs. Uh, luckily, I've you know formed some new networks and actually have a production company job on my I was going to be like, you have resume. a production company and you didn't tell me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've started a production company. Sorry. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I'm back into that, which I'm also, like I told you before, I'm, I'm trying to... Uh, uh, find a schedule and a routine in my time uh, to do things and make sure I get things done or, you know, at least attempt to get things done. Yeah. So you, that it's not like, oh, you don't have a job, your schedule is now, you can do whatever you want. It's Absolutely. like you have a purpose. Right. And one of the things I'm, I'm also doing is, is trying to stay more aware of things happening around the city 
and, and especially like panels or any kind of creative events. Um, actually, right after we get done recording, I'm going to go to a panel about adapting books for television film. Um, so cool. And then I've also found another uh, panel at the end of the month I'm hoping to go to uh, if possible. So, um, you know, just trying to kind of stay active and try to find this, use this time to network and grow and, and make more, uh, uh, build more relationships in the business. Yeah. See for me, like I hear that and that's <laughs> where sorry. I kind of want to so be, man. Like it's well, cause I know there's the financial side of it and you know, that, that is, uh, always going to be hard when you don't have a job and you don't have that income coming mm-hmm. in. But Fortunately, Angie, your wife, uh, is keeping you guys up. And she's you know, super awesome. Yeah. yeah, she's amazing. She has like legit job. <laughs> and and I got lucky that somebody, uh, uh, a wife, uh, a, a lady I worked with at the production company, told her son about me, who contacted me to do some videography. Nice. For a company oh yeah, that he that's works right. With, you so. you shared that with us last week. Yeah, yeah. But and so and I know, just got contacted by them again to do two more things in what? August. So there you go. Yeah. And, but it's what's nice about this time though, and I would say just reflecting. From comparing this to the previous situation yeah. when you were let go from uh, Lemonade, mm-hmm. is that you seem so much more focused now. You you are looking so. at this as using all of this quote unquote free time mm-hmm. to use this as work time. This Absolutely. is time for you to really focus on the th- stuff that you want to be doing. Um, I wish I could be there with you. Well, what's been going on with you, man? Oh well, man, so much work. So much work. So uh, a couple weeks ago, um, during our team hustle, I kind of shared with everyone what my situation has been like at my job. Uh, So I am currently working for two doctors right now. Uh, That's the current track I'm on. This man is busy. But like when I say I'm working for two doctors, I mean, I am every single minute answering a phone call from a patient, checking in a patient, doing authorizations doing intake uh, information. Do these, pe- do these people that you work for know not know that me and you need to communicate during the day as well? Because <laughs> I feel like they're taking a lot of that time away from us. I know. I'm not just, very happy about that. The patients call like, you know, I'm like, I'm sorry, I just need to talk podcast stuff. Can you just like <laughs> not call hold, right now? Can you please hold? I'm on GChat with my uh, part, business partner right now. <laughs> but I mean, I, I will say the increase in income mm. has been noticeable. Good. Um, That's good. You know, Right after I proposed to Anna Especially Karen, you have something coming up. Well, like after I proposed money. to Anna Karen, we went away for a uh, a weekend. Which the trip she knew about, she didn't know that the proposal was coming. Um, but that time, I had an extra amount of income come up because the former LLC had ended, so I had to get paid out for my vacation. Mm-hmm. So, and now we're on a new uh, time schedule where we're getting paid instead of the first and third. Now it's the second and fourth. Okay, cool. Week of the month. So. It's just a little different, but I'm in a place right now. I won't say surplus because I just paid some bills and I'm like, oh. There's never a surplus. There's never going to be a surplus. But I don't feel that kind of voice in the back of my head saying like, do we have enough? Do we have enough? Right. So, but I, as you just said, uh, you know, I've also been doing the wedding hustle. As it were, me and Karen checked out our first venue a couple weeks ago. I'm not going to say it. Don't say it. I'm not going to say it. Anna Karen has specifically said, Michael, do not tell people what (laughs) our wedding's going to be like. Oh, no. I wasn't going to, I'm not going to say the C word. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, but she's, it's been so exciting, though, kind of see her finally like take it in and like embrace it and then like be the one of like, okay, this is the vision of what I have. Right. Um, You know, let's check out these venues, let's talk to these people. Um, So it's just been kind of coming up with that, figuring out budget stuff. Um, 
and until I hear from parents or anyone else, like I'm, I'm planning on like it's going to be us paying for it. I, I kind of want to have you and Karen on to just do like a special like wedding episode, a wedding hustle, and just series? talk about like the the pro like when you get further in, you know, like down the road, like where you guys are at, what else you have left to do, how are you feeling about the process? Like I don't know, just to just to kind of catch up. While I'm editing Karen's portion, she's like, yeah, I just don't know about Michael anymore. <laughs> Can we just cut him out? Of just just thing? cut him out of the thing. Of no, the but thing. it's been beautiful though, and like having those moments of like uh, so after this interview you're going off to a panel uh we're going to get karen's ring resized because i of course did not guess right um (laughs) hey you know what none of us i don't think i did either yeah and you had to get hers resized but it was nice though for her to say like i can't wait to wear your ring and that and that's such i said that to you too yeah (laughs) (laughs) but uh you know like so karen has always been iffy about the idea of just a wedding ring in general but she was also iffy about the idea of marriage in general until she met me and we've had our conversations and stuff. And so she she loves me, obviously, I hope. But uh, she's just excited for this new step yeah. for us to take. And uh, Oh, you know, something I, did, I don't know if I mentioned on the last outro uh, in my in, in, uh, insert that we mm-hmm. did. Um, but last week I saw a play. Oh, you um, did? It was called Met Again. Um, everybody met, was fantastic. Met, met again? Met again, except for this huh. lead actor. I forget his name. Mikhail, I believe his name was. He was, meh. He was but meh. everybody else just, I mean, think Gangs of New York, with like Daniel Day-Lewis and Leo, just dancing circles around Leo, you know, that kind of thing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I saw your play, and it was yes, so, so good. Thank you, man. It was so, like, Daniel had told me that day like hey man i'm so sorry i'm not gonna be able to make it this weekend we had two extended performances and that was a blessing you know we most uh fringe plays got one extended performance we got two so it was nice to actually like come back and revisit the role Mm -hmm. after only three weeks off but it felt like it had been months yeah oh it it felt like a long i felt like wow it feels like you're coming back from like a long hiatus yeah from doing this hopefully not that didn't come through no 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 but before like just when i was thinking about it it was like man this feels like he hasn't done this we were talking about like you had to go over lines it was like it feels like it's been forever man there we did have one stumble through rehearsal the day before our uh, Friday night performance and oh man I get to the section where I'm it's just me on stage at the end and I was like oh wait what's my line how stumbly was it <laughs> uh, it, it was a little rusty but it was so nice just getting back together um with that team it's and several weeks ago here on the podcast I mentioned that uh, I was going to work on a special um series mm-hmm. focusing on this play please note that that is in the works it's just you know having an engagement and <laughs> job situation come up. Things happen. Things happen. So yeah, we'll get uh, that out. We'll be getting that out over the next month or so. And really excited because we're collaborating with someone super special that yeah. our listeners know very well. Yeah. Um, not going to say no, 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 any right, details no, not just yet. yet. Not until it happens. Not till it happens. Yeah. But um, so it's, it was just a great opportunity for us as a team to just come back together and you know, say in person how thankful yeah. we were to be working with each yeah. other. Uh, my wife and I were originally supposed to go see Michael's play, uh, but babysitters and stuff fell through. And and so I, I talked to my wife and asked her about me just going on Friday uh, to see it so I could just see it. And so I told, but I told Michael that I couldn't make it because Angie had a work event and I, you know, it just wasn't going to happen. Convincing. And like, I, he didn't even, I thought he probably would see me in the audience or something, but he didn't, I don't think. 
because when he came out, I had to like wave to him, like get his attention, be like, "Hey, I'm over here." <laughs> like, and then when he saw me, he's like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a good thing you weren't sitting in the front row. No, I was I not. Guess. Um, yeah, no, it was it was a really good surprise, and it's just it's for now done. Yeah, you know, um, we've been uh, some of the producers have kind of hinted at us that they're trying to submit it to other theater festivals. Um, I'm not gonna hold on to it. I'm just so happy that this show came into my life when it did and how it informed my life, how it taught me, how it woke me up in certain ways. Um, and you know, we couldn't talk about it during the team hustle, but now that, (laughs) you know, I've proposed to Anna Karen and stuff, it's like, it's no coincidence that I've, I found the strength to ask her that question during this show, during this play. Absolutely. Cause it's just like, you know, being an actor and stuff, taking on a role, you have to ask yourself certain questions. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Met Again was an awakening for me. I definitely saw that, like the training that you've done recently with the Meisner technique. Mm-hmm. So I, I saw that coming through on the on the stage. I Thanks, saw man. that relationship and that that engagement in the relationship, mm-hmm. um, which was a lot of fun to see between you and uh, Julia. Yeah, and you got to see me as an old man. I did. It was weird. You um, <laughs> you wore a lot of accessories. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when you get as you get older, you add on more accessories. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Duh. I'm gonna get fancy as I get older. Well, if, no, that's it, the opposite. Of what isn't happens. it nice to know they had to work really hard to make you look old, though? <laughs> it was. It was. It was kind of nice. Yeah. Huh. But no, it's so that that show came to a close and everything, but super happy with the it whole experience. It was very good. You did you both all of you did a great job. Yeah. It was but fantastic. Let's bring it back to this episode. Yes. Uh we just experienced Act Two with Shelly Shanoi. Yes. Um and we got our hustle support statements <clears throat> yes, that we, we gotta do. Um so hustle support statements, this is our chance uh to kind of speak directly to you, our listeners, our supporters, our League of Hustle? Ooh, question mark. Um, so, so I love it. I really love it. Right? It's making me excited. Yeah. Uh, but it's our chance to talk to you and, you know, give you some maybe words of wisdom, maybe some tools for, that you can incorporate onto your journey this week or whenever you're listening to this and uh, we can be with you. So, Daniel, what have you got to share, man? <clears throat> well, one of the biggest questions we constantly ask ourselves as artists and creatives is, how do I get seen? How do I get people I've never met that I do not know to see my art, to notice my talent and my creativity? It's a continual struggle that can constantly tear up any creative person. In Act 2 with Shelley, she discusses the stress she put on herself about finding an agent and the struggle and the pain that it caused her. She discusses how she finally decided to take action with the mindset that she may never have an agent to support her and that it's all up to her. I've known so many talented people who were just waiting to be quote unquote discovered, waiting for someone to notice their talent and their poetic genius. Here's the secret though. No one is coming. I've mentioned it before that in a book I read, they talk about how they keep thinking the Calvary's coming and the Calvary never comes. No one is going to show up at your door or randomly call you and say, you've been discovered. If they do, it's most likely a scam, so run. To be discovered or noticed, you have to get out there. You, you can't just create things and hold on to them. You have to publish it, produce it, put it out to the public. Let your work be the breadcrumbs that leads those agents, those producers, and other creators to find you. It's scary and it's a lot of hard work, but work is 90% of it, right? Trust your talent. Learn to market it. 
find sketches on YouTube, show your, or make sketches on YouTube, show your creative process on Twitch, submit to writing competitions and fellowships, submit to small acting projects with people who have strong visions for what they want to do with their work. Meet people, go to panels, and introduce yourself to people. I repeat, introduce yourself to people. I was recently at a splash pad with my son and saw a gentleman wearing a WrestleMania shirt. Being a wrestling fan with very few wrestling fan friends in LA, I said hello and mentioned his shirt and my love for wrestling. Our discussion on wrestling turned to what we do, and I found out he's a working TV writer. We now communicate constantly. He's giving me advice and looking for opportunities to possibly help me get in and get an agent and so forth. Put yourself and your work out there. When you do that, I guarantee people will see you. And that is when you will have such a better chance of that person coming to your door and discovering you. I mean, who knows by then, maybe you'll be the one who's discovering someone. Woo! <laughs> Dig it, man. Right. Dig I, it. It, it, it just, it's, it's so hard when people are just like, well, I'm just working on this. I'm just yeah. waiting. It's like, don't do that. Well, also, it reminds me, uh, Shelly specifically reminds me of season one guest, Eric Knight. Mm. He was a gentleman, uh, musician, uh, you know, rock and roll singer, band manager. That's the thing. He, he accepted the fact that he couldn't rely on anyone else to book him for shows, to book him in the venues that he wanted to be. So he created his own, you know, false identity to be his own band manager, but he made it happen. Yep. He, and, and to this day, he's the one that runs everything for Disciples for Babylon. And just like Shelly, you know, Shelly is just such a hard getter. And that I loved her story about how her future agent discovered her. Mm. I thought that was so cool. I love when she talks about, she's like the lady calls her like, there's this lady that was on the phone and said, you gave her her number, but she lost it. Now she's worried she's hurt you (laughs) (laughs) because of what she said to her. She's like, she doesn't want to hurt you or something like that. Like, what? Yeah, exactly. No. Uh, How about you, buddy? What's, uh, what do you got for us? Definitely. Mine is uh, a bit more on the briefer side this week, but after listening to two acts of Shelly Shinoy, one of the major lessons that stands out to me is that there is, one of the major lessons that stands out to me this far is that there is zero excuse to not be doing what you want to be doing. To paraphrase Shelley's quote, to paraphrase Shelley's quote from the top of this episode, the industry today expects us to create professional and exceptional work of our own. And because of the blessings of technology and sites like YouTube or Skillshare or Masterclass, you can educate yourself on any skill that you feel like you're lacking in order to complete your project. From Shelley's experiences to the Young Americans to the brothel, instead of retreating from the initial challenges that presented themselves, she rose above it and learned the skills necessary to propel herself and her fellow artists forward. You are more capable and more powerful than you are aware of. And if you can embrace that and use those skills to not only help yourself but others, you will find yourself in a company of people who are invested in your success. I want to I want to say this because I think that's so important what you just said because one I get choked up literally every time I think about it but like one of the best parts about this is that we're able to show support for others mm-hmm. and, and 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 we honestly want to see them succeed it's not us just using them for us to succeed we yeah. genuinely want the best for every single person that we not only have on the show but that listen to the show. And when we get feedback from certain people that talk about how this podcast has helped them grow and change and evolve, it, that just for us just just shows that's my own personal success. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, there's a reason why 
not only we say it on this show, but so many of our guests refer to their tribe. Mm -hmm. And the success of one in the tribe is the success for the tribe. So for whether it's you or me, Daniel, or it's our listeners, um, you know, if you're if you're hustling in your journey and you experience success, that's a win for the entire community because it just shows that, yes, you can pursue your dreams and make success happen. And, you know, one of and that's also a hustle support statement for me. You know, like I'm on the horizon going to be no longer working in the medical field, uh, which is a good thing. But it also like there's certain fears or worries that I have of like, oh, do I not have this skill or whatever? No, take the time, learn it, apply it and offer more to those around you. Absolutely. And and I think, you know, on top of that, like helping others, you know, actively supporting someone mm-hmm. is so important. Like going to your play. Yeah, we're best friends. And obviously I want to support you and be there for whatever you're doing. Like I wanted to be at that proposal. Like I hated that I had to work. <laughs> like, but it's also about supporting what you're doing actively. Mm-hmm. It's me it's showing you that I'm here. I under, I know you're doing this. I see that you're doing this and I'm here. Yeah. And but that's, also and like so important. My cast also got to meet you finally. Yeah. You know, and so you got to create relationships from that. It's really weird when people go, oh, you're Daniel. <laughs> it's like, oh, I guess he's talking. Yeah. About one of my yeah. classmates yeah. was there. Yeah. And when I shared with her that, oh, this is the guy. She was like, oh, you're the guy. <laughs> you're that guy. Wow. You got a great beard. <laughs> yeah. I, always. Always. But uh, no, that that is a fantastic statement, man. It's so true. Um, you know, one of the things that we love is hearing from you guys. So uh, we want to hear about what you have to say about our statements, about the show, about the hustle, and also about what we discussed with Shelly Shinoy today. We are on Facebook and Instagram. You can follow us at Hollywood Hustle Podcast or on Twitter at LA Hustlecast. I, Daniel, am at Daniel Tuttle on both Twitter and Instagram. And I am at Michael Lutheran on all platforms. All platforms. And so... You know, let's also make sure we bring in the voiceover maestro, as always, Miss Shelly Shinoy, into the conversation. You can tag Shelly or see her stuff at, sh- at Shelly Shinoy on Instagram and Twitter. That's the same. You can also make sure to visit nycvocoach.com to check out more of the services Shelly offers to beginning and advanced voiceover actors. And what's even better is you don't have to be in New York or LA, in New York. You can be in LA or wherever, and Shelly can help you. And of course, if you have any thoughts you'd like to share about this episode, make sure you email us at hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and also, guys, just remember, if you enjoyed what you heard today, hit subscribe, and that way you're able to listen to all of our episodes, whether they're our main episodes or what we like to call our side hustles. Side hustles are just previews for the upcoming uh, interview. Uh, we know that sometimes everyone can be busy, and our episodes tend to run around an hour, hour and 15. We're working on that. We're working on it a little bit. Um, but we want to make sure that you still are clued into our community and know what we're talking about. So we have the side hustles that are released every Monday, um, and they just give nice bite-sized samples of the conversation that is going to be had in that upcoming future episode. So when you hit subscribe, not only are you getting access to the side hustles, you're also getting access to these fuller episodes. The full community of shows. Yes. And of course, also, if you you know have been listening to us for a while and are wondering is if there's anything that you can do to support beyond you know of course sharing our episodes with your friends and uh, as well as online you could always consider maybe making a one time or a monthly contribution if you just go to our website hollywoodhustlepodcast.com uh, if you scroll at the bottom of the page there is a paypal button where you can uh, give as much as you like uh, one time recurring regardless we love you Um, and we thank you guys so much for your support. 
And next week, we come to the conclusion of our first three-part series with the wonderful Shelly Shinoy. We talked to her about getting cast in certain voiceover uh, jobs and cartoons and how she went from one character to three characters to 20 characters, uh, especially on Casper uh, Casper Scare School. We also talked to her about working for Telltale and getting on video games. We go into detail on some of her video games. And we also talked to her more in depth about NYCVOCoach.com. So make sure you check out this final conversation, uh, part of the conversation with Shelly. It's, it's, I mean, it's just inspiring up to the very end. So do not miss next week's episode with Shelly Shinoy. Yeah, we've been so thankful to have Shelly as our first ever like three-part guest. Uh, and, you know, I've been thinking about voiceover for years and been wondering, where do I start? And I feel like Shelly gives such a wonderful kind of step-by-step on how you can make it yeah, and everything. Absolutely. So, guys, thank you so much for listening. Michael, thank you so much for sitting with me of and doing this. Uh, thank you so much for coming to my apartment to hey. record this. And also, guys, remember, <laughs> this episode was brought to you by uh, Team Hustle. Daniel Tuttle, the gentleman in front of me, the the beard himself, is our executive producer. Uh, Michael Lutheran, who's that guy, produced and edited this episode. Gordon Meacham is our episode analyst, and Mike Tobias edited our website. Absolutely. And guys, you know, stay strong, get out there, talk to people, put your work out there, uh, send us questions. If you have any fears, we can try to help settle them. We love you guys. We support you in everything you do. We ask that you, you know, uh, pay that support forward to other people. And always remember to keep Keep up up the the hustle. hustle.